I used to sit in the preschool in tears. All the man really has to do on the day of birth is find a good parking spot. <laughs> Dad, Dad, catch this. Boom, I've done a poo. Stop stabbing your sister. From the news desk to the nursery. Mum! This is The Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Now, I don't mean to be elitist, but when you're a parent or a carer, you're part of an exclusive club. You understand each other. You get the trials, the tribulations, and the joys of life with small children. And that's why every week we invite one mum and one dad to share their experiences and thoughts on stuff that we're all going through. It could be a difficult parenting situation or something we're talking about that's been in the, in the news. Today, my guests are Jacinta Tynan, author and Sky's, Sky News presenter, and actor Ryan Johnson. Jacinta has two young sons and Ryan has a little girl. Welcome to you both. Hello, thank you. Thank you. I, I normally would ask how your week's been, but right before we went on air, Jacinta happened to mention she went into labour whilst she was presenting the news. And I, I have not heard this story. I need to hear it, Jacinta. And you're what? just in shock. I am. Well, luckily the labour went on for 48 hours. Not luckily, oh, luckily. for me, but luckily for the audience. I just felt those little pangs, those initial contractions. It was a couple of days before the baby was due, so I thought... Is this your first son? My first. So oh. I thought, is this labour? So I went and rang my mother in a break. It was a day shift. And I said, how do I know if it's labour? She said, if they're at regular intervals. So I actually started writing down the time of the contractions. I still have the script. While you were on it. was it, a yeah. new script. And I've written the times. And I thought, oh, they're quite regular. Yep, I'm in labour. And I remember telling the sports presenter, who was a female who hadn't had children, and I think I'm in labour. She was freaked out. And I was because I got oh upset God. and on it went. Kept going for 48 hours, I'd emergency Caesar, but we're here. <laughs> yeah, we're you should frame that for the 21st at least. I, I don't know what Good to idea. ask you after that, Ryan, because yeah. I'm pretty sure you you've never that, been. Ryan? Did you go into labour? Uh, well, I remember when Tamara, my wife, went into labour and we were walking around a supermarket and she just said, Ooh, Oh, God, I think I'm having a Braxton Hicks. And I said, uh, You said, Who's he? Yeah, Tony Braxton Hicks. I said, No, we're due tomorrow. And I think that might be the start of it. And lo and behold, it was. It was a good thing. We're actually buying, at the time, uh, stuff to take to the hospital on the night. So we're picking up the Gatorades and the little jubes and candles and stuff like that. Wow. The delusion that it... Did that be like, well? Just pass me the Gatorade, Did babe. Did the candles come out? Yeah. Yeah, candles. Put the candles out. Did it's going to be really relaxing and calm. It's going to be a calm birth. Was yeah. it? I don't know. Not at all. How'd that work out for you? Yeah. I, I admit when I was in labour, I didn't let my husband leave the, the room for like... I had it the whole time, which was over 12 hours or something like that, 24 hours. And he said you to me, 12 hours. it wasn't quite that short, but I did, I do remember him saying to me at one point, can I go and get a coffee? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. And when you're in labor, you don't need that stuff, but the husband does need a partner, whoever's Something there. Something to keep yourself pepped up. The, I mean, at least you had the lollies. Yeah. I had the lollies and I had the Gatorade. All right. Well, I'm glad Sounds that Sounds we... like you were great use. It was. <laughs> awesome. I was very, I, I had a playlist. No, that was sincere. She wasn't For being... For himself. <laughs> he had his headphones what on. Was the guy at the playlist? start that said, I just, all I do is park the car. I was like, well, that's kind of minimal. You're what, off to a good start there, bro. What was your playlist? There, I want to know what was uh, on it. Gosh, I, I honestly cannot remember because we're talking like nearly four years ago now, so... I'll get back to you and we can put it on the blog. <laughs> Jacinda, do you remember? Did you have music playing? Oh, God, no. I was just surviving. <laughs> I remember the song my son was born to. Oh, cute. That I can't remember for my daughter and that, my friends, is bad parenting. <laughs> uh, so we won't talk about that today. Um, but we will talk about playdate etiquette, mm. the power of nature over nurture, and the best advice your dad has ever given you. But first up, the biggest news story this week that brought us all to tears. 
There was a ballot conducted in the party room for the leadership of the Liberal Party. The successful candidate was Scott Morrison and he won this vote by 45 votes to 40 for Peter Dutton. Dumbstruck and so appalled by the conduct of the last week. He blames a campaign of what he calls insurgents within his party and outside it who wanted to see the moderate Prime Minister replaced with the more conservative Peter Dutton. It was all very dramatic and disappointing. But if you've been living under a rock, we have a new Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, after Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton failed to gain the leadership and Malcolm Turnbull stepped aside. Big news, but for the first time in my adult life, I was not paying attention. And I'm wondering how other adults, particularly parents, reacted to the news. Of course, I'm going to start with Jacinta, which is possibly not the best example because you are a news presenter. You're right in the thick of it. Um, How did it affect you this week? Well, the news was gripping, and not because it's anything significant, but because it was such a debacle. We've had seven prime ministers in 10 years, so when I look at it like that, my children have seen something like eight prime ministers. It's just ludicrous. Mm. But I remember on the night that it was unfolding, the the, the, the Tuesday with the, the first attempt at the leadership spill, I was desperately trying to, I thought Twitter's my best avenue to keep on top of this, and I have to keep on top of it for my job, but also because I found it fascinating. But I didn't want the children to see me on Twitter when I was trying to cook dinner. So I, I had this system going on where I put the phone in my room and I kept ducking into the bedroom to have a quick look at Twitter and then coming back out. And I actually tweeted at the time, the artful task of trying to keep across hashtag lip spill uh, while, with, with the pull of more pressing demands like homework, dinner, bedtime stories, while hypocritically instructing the kids to stay off electronic devices while I scan Twitter. <laughs> That's it. I'm like, get off your iPads. No, you can't go on your iPads. And I'm trying to cook dinner and I'm trying to read the bedtime stories, but I'm yeah, Stay off SMH. I feel, I feel really um, lax now because I honestly, I was like, none of this is going to make any difference to my life today. And it was just went on as usual, you know, drop off with the kids, work, come home, dinner, bed, bath, all the rest of it. I went, oh. We have a new prime minister, and it hasn't changed your life, has it? It hasn't That's changed the my whole life. Point. I find it's that an astounding. Debacle for nothing. And and what about you, Ryan? How how did it play out for you? Well, you're absolutely right. It didn't change my day. It didn't change our routine. But for us, I think it was a little bit depressing. In that, I just think about my daughter's future, and I get I get worried about what becomes normal, and I get worried that this becomes the norm, and it's terrifying to think that these two like incredibly out of touch conservative people are tussling over something like the leadership when there's a female right there who actually was polling higher and (laughs) you know had a could have could have taken that party to the next election and these two guys are not running the country they're making it all about their egos and so with my daughter I want her to learn to look to people who are inspiring and who have real kind of leadership qualities and I guess that's the issue with the the Westminster system or whatever you call it. But, you know, you vote for your party. You don't vote for the leader, unfortunately. Mm. So, you know, act local, act, act local, but think global. Yeah. Wow. That's a good line to end on. Yeah. Because it, it, that's so true, Ryan's saying, because how do we explain that to our kids? My children watch behind the news, so they knew something was going on. We've got a new prime minister, mummy. So how do you explain it to them? Well, what happened was a couple of guys decided that they wanted to be the leader, so they shoved the other one out of the way. And yeah, there right. was a really good woman there, but they ignored her too. And yeah. it, it's such bad role modelling. There's no explanation for it. We can't explain it to them in any way that makes sense. Yeah. 
This is a real downer. Why did I choose this topic? I was wondering why you started with it. <laughs> I, I was just, for me, I'm like, uh, yeah, no impact at all. And then you've just really enlightened me in terms of Well, it, it of doesn't kids. impact the day, but I, I do think about my daughter's future. And that's why I try to surround her with people who are empathetic and, and have a good moral compass. And then at the same time, I like to think that she'll one day be able to make decisions for herself. But no one got to make the decision this week, except no. a bunch of people standing in a room on behalf of the country. And meanwhile, the country's just left to run itself. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what happens because in the past when this has gone on and I have been involved, I'm like, surely people next election are going to turn out and express their disappointment in That's how right. they vote. I'm actually in Turnbull's seat where I wow. vote. And every time I went to the booth, I was like, oh, this may as well do a donkey vote. It's not going <laughs> to count. Right. But I'll be really interested yeah. to see if the conservatives in my area have, yeah. a, have a response to what's happened. But then also the fallout from that is not particularly optimistic either, really. But let's move on because I've put us in a hole now. <laughs> At least did say I to me, sad. don't talk about politics. It's too serious. Talk about something You've fun. Just, so oh, I will. All the parents have just dropped off. They're like, a dating podcast, wait, we're about right? to talk I mean... about play date etiquette. <laughs> yes. Come back. Yes. Come back. <laughs> wait, let's come all back. All important issues here. Well, it is important because the, I had someone tell me this particular story we're going to deal with in a moment and she asked me, what would you do? I didn't have an answer. So next we're going to talk about what do you do when your little house guest is a brat? Are you actually telling me how to raise my child? I mean, how am I supposed to respond to that? I told you not to tell me how to raise my family. Let me tell you, those children are monsters. Oh, I know you are not trying to tell me how to raise my child. Here's a scenario for you. You have a child over to your house for a play date. When they get to your place uh, and you offer them, they ask for water, you offer them tap water, they say they only drink water with gas. They refuse to play with your son, their friend that they've come to see, and opt to play with your daughter instead. They start calling you a crummy mummy because you don't have water with gas. Now, at the end of this day, and other horrific things happen during the day, their mother comes to pick them up. You don't know her very well, but she says politely or asks you um, how their son behaved. Are you honest or do you fudge it and say they were fine? Ryan, what would you do? Well, I'd be glad that another child was behaving that way. <laughs> <laughs> because I I find that this judgy parent thing is is getting worse. And mm. you know, in the old days, you'd just run around in the backyard, and if someone got hit by a stick, there might be some crying, and someone would come out and tell you to shut up. But now there's this pressure for everyone to be ideal and perform really well. And you know, uh, our daughter has her days, and if if a kid came over to our place and was behaving like that. We, you know, we might have a couple of quiet, judgy moments, but at the same time, <laughs> I think I we're think, never inviting him over I again. I think he'd be like, I think you'd deal with it. I think, I think when when mum or dad turned up, it'd be like, yeah, look, they 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 played well. That um, apparently a child likes gas water. That's interesting. Tell me about that. But I, I, I wouldn't really take too much of it to heart, especially when you're dealing with someone who's maybe three or four. Um, maybe maybe check back in with them when they're like. 15 or 16. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. As a parent, if I see that child, I'm like, no, you cannot be friends. They're going to yeah, be a exactly. bad influence. He's going to put you on drugs when yeah, you're yeah. 15. So Does this no have longer. gluten in it? I, I, I mean, I, I'm not allergic to it, but I'm indifferent to it. <laughs> 
Are you telling me you don't have gluten-free products in your house, Ryan? Uh, look, my child's paleolithic. No, not at all. <laughs> Jacinda, what's your approach to this? I, I find play dates huge pressure and it's because I want the guests to have a good time so that they'll go back to school. Do you and so bake they, for them? Oh, God, no, I've never baked in my life. <laughs> Oh, there's, there's, you've got the wrong image of me there. But but I actually am a bit of a, a Nazi when it comes to the food. So I'll say, we had one just the other day, a child over, and I was saying, you have to have fruit before you have anything else. My mum says I don't have to have fruit. Well, I do. So you have the fruit, and then I'll give you a snack, and the milkshake has to have fruit. In it. But I just want a chocolate milkshake. No, you're having fruit. So I'm a bit like that. <laughs> and also, I make them play games before they can go. Because at my boy's age, the, my eight-year-old, they all want to go on their iPads, mm. and they hook up on their iPads. Oh. And so I allow them about 20 minutes of iPad time, but I say you have to do something wholesome first. So we play charades. We play charades a lot and we Did play... They enjoy that, that, right? That would yeah, be I fun. Kind of, well, I think that my eight-year-old and his friends think it's probably getting a little bit beyond them. Nah, not charades. I say, yeah, you're playing it. <laughs> I like but it. Once they get into it, they this enjoy. is more about the child complaining about Jacinta when they go home. Yeah, they just right. complain right. about the child. Well, that's what, when we had this boy over last week, and his mother said the next day he had a really good time. And I was thinking, oh God, did he? Is she just saying that? Like I feel this paranoia <laughs> to make sure that the kids. So it's almost you like you need a, a feedback kind of thing, at, like yeah, a feedback, feedback session form. at the end or a form or a form. an app. You know, what would you rate me out of five as, as far as like cool mum goes? But I'm not being that cool, am I? But what I but what I have noticed, and this is interesting, is we live in an apartment at the moment and we're in a suburb where a lot of people live in houses and the kids are coming over and making they're starting to become conscious of that and they're making comments like, Why is your house so small? Oh really? And where's one one child came over and said, So where's the rest of your house? There's a wow. bit of that going on. Yeah, And okay. so at first I took great offence to that because we're in a transition at the moment where I've left home with my children and we're living in this temporary situation. So I, I wanted to, at first I had this instinct of wanting to, let me sit you down and tell you what's actually going on here. And then I, <laughs> little, little seven-year-old, let me tell you why. And then I thought, no, it shouldn't matter where we're living and why are they obsessed with this? So I start turning it into... A bit of a life lesson for all of them. What's wrong with somebody living in a small house? What difference does it make? So long as there's love in this house. And I, <laughs> I go down that path. <laughs> but it really irks me. You can imagine it presses yeah. all my buttons. And then, the, then you come back to your point. The parents say, how were they? How do I explain? Well, actually, they made a really materialistic comment about our life circumstances. But I don't know how to quite tell you that. But the thing is what I find interesting, I, I love what you said, Ryan, about just letting kids be kids and they muck up and all the rest of it. But then as a parent, um, if my child said something like that, mm. I'd be mortified. Yeah. I'd want to know. And I think they often say it because they don't know better. And if I was living in a mansion or whatever and hadn't got any friends who lived in apartments or something like that, then it's maybe something that I haven't experienced that I can then talk to them about. And so that becomes a difficult conversation in my mind, thinking, actually, I would want to know if my kid had been a brat. Maybe if it was something specific, yeah. like being inappropriate or mean or whatever. Yeah, definitely. And it's an empathy thing. So it's encouraging empathy in the the other child and your child and having an open dialogue, but also when the parent comes around saying, oh, you know, Tommy was a little... Uh, Materialistic. Yeah, no, a little, <laughs> a little miffed by our living circumstance. Judgy. So I, I hope judgy. it's okay, but we had a chat about our situation yes, yes. And, and, and told him that our sons are cool enough to have two homes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I, that's interesting. And have you ever had... Up in the same and... <laughs> <laughs> have 
have you had um, any difficult conversation, like you know, awkward I've had etiquette? Difficult parent sessions, definitely. Where you know, when when Alia was as young as two, and and another mother just taking her on and, and around us all the time, and and challenging her on on minute things, and to the point where we found it challenging to want to spend more time in in that situation with those people because you know we we know what Alia's like and at times she can be irrational but she she was two at the time and, and that's so, the definition of a two year old yeah, right that's, that's the situation where I'd be like, okay, you're worried if they're not yeah you know it's it's my it's my turn to step in now and 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 say something um and you can take a couple of passing comments but when they keep going yeah you don't like feeling judged and so i i always try to use a little bit of humor and a little bit of you know, equal footing with other parents when difficult situations turn up. Passive aggressive, perhaps? Uh, yeah, look. <laughs> <laughs> I well, I think what's interesting is I think you probably would be funny, Ryan, but yeah. I don't have that funny, funny bone. Gene. I don't have the funny gene. And so I wouldn't know how to yeah. say it without, I'd probably start by apologising, right? I'd say, look, I'm, it's a bit awkward. I yeah, it's those parents that you, you feel yourself around going, oh God, I really hope my child doesn't say this or do this or do that. And you're like, well, do we just phase that parent out or what's their, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. what's their, what's their connection like with this child? I mean, the kids get along really well. So, yeah, you know, tough. how do we do time with that parent and also let our child have a great time? Did you, know. you talk to that parent, by the way, or did you make a joke about the one that was um, nitpicking Look, your daughter people, for being two? Some people don't get irony. Some people don't get humour. <laughs> some people just need the direct oh, approach. And then you've just offended them. So, I, look, there, there's no win in that scenario other than the drive home where you vent. Okay, and that's what you did? Yeah. And I think it depends if you're friends with the parent or not. So I've got some of the mum friends that I'm really close to, and we will say to each other, you know, your son said this, and yes. they'll go, oh, gosh, thanks for telling me, and I'll deal with that. I've had stern words, but then there are others where you think, I don't yeah. know you well enough, so That's we'll just question, let that it? slide, and we just won't invite Tommy. Tommy's yeah. our Tommy's, Tommy's our name. the devil. Tommy, we won't invite Tommy back <laughs> to our Tommy. Our tiny apartment. Not sure how many solutions so we judgy. offered up there, but let's just say we're all in yeah. this together. Um, you're listening to the parent panel on, and I'm Siobhan Hunt. My guests today are Jacinta Tynan, author and Sky News presenter, and actor Ryan Johnson. Next, what is a more powerful predictor of a child's life? The age old question of nature versus nurture. Die. At least tell me your name. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. It, it is Batman. Yeah. <laughs> it was very intense, yeah. I know. Uh, that's, I like my face was the same as yours when yeah. I was listening the first time. I'm like, what is going to happen next? Yeah. Um, well, just it's a little bit of a tangent, but um, hopefully you'll get the connection here. Um, this week I watched a preview of the documentary Three Identical Strangers, which is an incredible story about identical triplets who were separated at birth and adopted out to three different family, families. It happened in the 70s in America, and the whole doco, it's 
has so many different layers. But the, the essential question is um, nature versus nurture. So you could see with these boys together that they had the same exact same mannerisms and the same tastes. But then they were placed deliberately with three very different families, very different parenting styles, and their lives and personalities ended up being really different. And so I'm just think it's a really interesting question. Like, are our children who they are because of their DNA or are they this way because of how we parent? It's Mm. kind of scary. So if you accept that um, DNA is the determining factor, kind of doesn't matter how we parent, right? And we're all striving so hard to be good parents. And your child, your child might be a little devil, Ryan, because you're a little devil when you're a kid. So I'm wondering if you can see the influence of DNA in your family and what do you think is the most powerful influence, Jacinta? If we could solve this today. (laughs) Miss Margaret. Just in your family. What are the big problems of the world? (laughs) Uh, I'm so fascinated by this whole idea. I can't wait to see that doco. And when you've got the two children, or more than more than one, I guess, you've got a social experiment where you can compare. And so I do look at my boys often, and I, I wonder this all the time. Where do they get that from? I see it with things like with little talents that emerge. I think that's in their DNA because my one little boy is quite good at performing, and you know I studied acting, and I think mm, I didn't teach him that, so where's that coming from? And the way that they're both good readers, and you see things like of yourself coming through like that. But then they're quite different. And they've been raised by the same parents. But I also have a theory on that. Because we've gone through a separation, I can see the impact of the boys at the different ages when they would have experienced that. So the older one, my oldest son, remembers a lot more of what went on at home. He remembers being in the same house with mum and dad. The younger one doesn't even remember that. And I can see that influence on him and I can see how his struggles with that are playing out in his personality. And then my younger son is much more, he tends to be more obliging and he doesn't uh, speak up for himself and those kind of traits, which makes him easier to get along with, but it's not necessarily a good thing because he thinks, oh, my needs don't matter. So I'm, I'm hyper alert to this kind of thing. I'm thinking he's like that because he didn't want to get in the way. And the other one's like that because he's desperate for attention and I'm constantly trying to counteract it. So there's a lot of the nurture in there. I want to believe a lot of it's nurture. Yeah, because I want then you can to, change it, right? Yeah, and I want to know that the impact that, that what I'm doing and if I school up and continue to keep schooling up on being more conscious myself and and being able to have conversations with my children that are self-aware and encouraging them to be self-aware, then I'm teaching them that they can change who they are and how they feel about the world. So there's more power in that. Definitely. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I thought that preview looked amazing. I can't wait to see that film. Um, I, I think... You know, my daughter's a force of nature and <laughs> she's got so much personality and she's so sharp and bright and she surprises us all the time with, with so many random things that we couldn't possibly have thought up ourselves. So that just comes from her. Um, but then she does have personality traits that I say, oh my God, that, you know, <laughs> that was me or that was Tamara um, and, and, and good and bad at times, you know, like I've, I've had a predisposition to anxiety my whole life and that went undiagnosed for a very long time. And, and so I do ca- catch myself at times 
monitoring her behaviour and thinking, oh, God, she's a worrywart. Oh, no, she's, you know, she's stressing. Um, and then within half a second, she's happy as Larry and focused on something entirely different. And and so, you know, I have moments where I'm I'm watching her and thinking, is there something I should be doing right now? But But I think the real answer is just to always make her feel heard and always make her feel like everything she does is okay until it's not okay as far as my moral compass goes and Tamara's does and what we see is right and wrong and try and part as as many lessons as we can the best way we can um, but not inhibit her at the same time so it's a really fine line I think that that we tread it's very challenging I think you know? one of the thing about the um, genetics if you in my family if I notice something about the kids that is like me or like their father um, in some ways I feel like oh I recognize that and maybe I can empathize with that a little yeah. bit and work with that because I know what it's like that's that's the benefit of passing it down but then there are things you worry about as well yeah definitely <laughs> well also you see how if you'd had that attention focused on that particular trait as a child how you might have been able to heal that wound back then so I feel like I want to do that for them now so yes. when, my, when my child is going through I don't know if it's officially anxiety but going through worries and things I think I'm going to hear you I'm going to sit with you I'm going to be with you and I'm going to let you know that it's okay to have these emotions which in our generation wasn't really the yeah, just thing. normalizing it for them and saying that this might be part of your makeup or it might just be something temporary but we'll talk it through and you can always come to me to talk about this stuff and it's not something that I'll just tell you to get over mm. Lovely. That's some really good advice there. Um, our last topic in just a moment is what is the best bit of advice your dad has ever given you? Hi, Dad. It's Mitchell here. Love you. Happy Father's Day and I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. See ya. This is my dad. What's the key to being a great dad? Your dad is so cool. I wish my dad did stuff like this. Fatherly advice. Understood. No. I am your father. <laughs> Hopefully your dad wasn't like Darth Vader. Let's just put that out there. Of course, it is Father's Day on Sunday, and there's nothing quite like becoming a parent to appreciate your own. And my dad, I know, has given me some great advice over the years. Um, one of his was never lie. Don't say things in anger you'll regret later. Haven't quite done that. But anyway, um, learn how to use an Excel spreadsheet. That has definitely changed my life. Um, right. <laughs> I can, I can give you the lowdown later. Um, Ryan, what's the most memorable piece of advice your dad's ever given you? Well, oddly, one, one thing that's always stuck through with me is my dad said to me, you never get a second chance to make a first opinion. Uh, that's, that, that, that's just stayed with me my whole life. The other thing he would always say when we were driving in cars, when no judgment cast here, but when we'd drive past motorbikes, he'd say, temporary citizens, mate. And <laughs> as a result, I really have had a lifelong phobia of riding a motorbike and I've never bought one. Could have I'm going to start doing that with my kids yeah. and I don't want them to ride motorbikes. And, and he was always really... Uh, he, he he was never into tattoos, and so he'd always sort of say to us, "Look at this bloke, mate." And I, and I always thought, 
you know, tattoos are cool if it means something to you and it's a, it's a tiny little thing. But like now as a parent, I see these, these 20 somethings swanning around with stuff all over their necks and legs and arms and, you know, like stocking things down their legs and teardrops like they've been in jail. And I'm like, this might give you some kind of social status now, but I'm really worried about your job prospects in 10 years. <laughs> You're sounding like a, a father yourself. I am. <laughs> I know, I was just saying, hold on a second, Ryan doesn't look like he's that far out of his 20s, but anyway. Nearly 40. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Scandal. Jacinta, how about you? So I I think I've learned most from my dad about, by watching what he was like. My dad died a couple of years ago and we had a few years in there where we were not close. And so when he got sick, I, I really reconnected with him and it really because he was sick for a long time, the gift in that was it forced me to really consider our relationship because I had very much taken it for granted before. And I wrote him a letter not uh, not long before he died and actually was through that process, went through telling him what he'd done for me and what he'd taught me. And it's not it's not practical things like that. It, it, like you were saying, uh, no Excel spreadsheets in there. <laughs> don't, think, don't think my dad knew how to do those. Did you have just a little... Um... <laughs> You know, the little paperclip in the corner telling you how to do it. <laughs> that's, I can't remember. It's uh, now in my DNA. It's Windows been so long. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly Clippy. right. Uh, but he was a, a man who uh, came from not much and managed to study and become a doctor and spent you know, 10 years becoming a specialist and it was a very dedicated and to his work. And so I see it in things like that. I take it from that, that work ethic. And that sense of if you want to achieve something, you can if you put your mind to it. And then also when I thought back and wrote Dad that letter, I realised he was the one who encouraged me with my writing very young. You're a good writer. Why don't you write some more? And if you write some more, we can put it in a little book. And he bought me my first ever, I don't know what you would have called it. It was like a karaoke machine. He bought me a microphone because I love to perform and so that I could sing and dance and, and put on plays. And Please tell me someone filmed that. <laughs> there, there probably is. Some VHS is there in the garage. <laughs> Big chunky tapes. Actually, I think it was pre-VHS. Maybe beta. (laughs) Time to dust them off. And he also introduced me to Bill Haley and the Comets. Does that ring any bells with anyone? Yeah. Yeah. So 1950s, 60s music, and he would swing me around the lounge room and and taught me how to dance like that with with the skirt going. And he was just very encouraging of me being an individual and all of us. I'm one of six. So he would see the traits in all of us and foster those. And was just very encouraging about if you want to do this, you can do it. There's nothing that says you can't. So that's what's stayed with me. And that feels like part of me without even realizing it at the time. I think music is a really powerful way to connect with your parents. My dad was always really into albums and he got me into really good stuff really young, like Dire Straits and Queen and Fleetwood Mac. And that stayed with me my whole life. And that, that just that just made me think I really want Alia to appreciate the whole album because everyone now is all about singles. And I just <laughs> yes. put in a lot of work on these albums. And I'm, I make a real a real thing about start to finish, you know, even the filler stuff. You've got to, you've just got to listen to the whole thing. And I really want to impart that on her. So what music are you, are you teaching her? Mm. Uh, well, she loves uh, the Beatles and she loves Guns N' Roses. So that's a good oh, start. Oh, lovely they're, they're start. Dichotomy. But... But this is the downside. I said to her braggingly the other day in front of people, who sings Welcome to the Jungle? And she said, Siri. (laughs) 
Wouldn't it be great, though, if Siri sang Welcome to the Jungle? <laughs> would That'd be. be so cool. The whole album, too. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I think that's a very positive note to end on. Um, Jacinta, Ryan, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Pleasure. That was Jacinta Tynan, author and Sky News presenter. And You've been listening Ryan. to The Parent Panel, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review and share it with your friends. The Parent Panel. New episodes every Friday.